0: Good. I don't know. I don't know your life. Whatever time you happen to be listening to a podcast, I'm gonna say morning commute. Good morning commute to all of our legions of fans. I'm Richard,
1: and and I'm Carl, and, I, and I'm a little bit like, curious. Uh, like I, I don't know how how big Frankfurt is. So I like do, do do people have lengthy morning commutes in in Frankfurt?
0: I mean, it's ironic but- because I feel like me. Commuting to my school is actually a longer commute than going from Frankfurt to, like, France.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, our display of, of grand uh, geo- geoma- geology.
0: I kind of I enjoy agree. grand Absolutely. geometry. Geology. Like, that seems like a great cleric. The cleric of grand geometry. <laughs>
1: Geography is the word I was going for. So many geos, so,
0: so little time. I mean, Geo, dude, Graveler, Golem, shiny Golem that self-destructs when you see it because it was shiny. <laughs> I, I, that happened. My first shiny Pokemon I ever saw was a Graveler, and it went boom. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Deep Space and Dragons. This is Carl. He's great.
1: <laughs> and then uh, this is Richard, which is not me. I'm talking about. Uh, Am I the co-host or are you the host? I'm not really sure anymore.
0: So I think what happens is like, to quote Ron Swanson, I think how this happens is like some physical context, possibly a decathlon will decide who's in charge. And then the person who's in charge, their only responsibility is holding the nuclear codes. So I think because <laughs> you defeated me in our last challenge of physical might, you are in fact the co You are the host and I'm the co-host.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right.
0: Because <laughs> neither of us are doing a decathlon, but when it comes to punching each other in a bouncy castle with inflatable gloves, you won.
1: Oh yeah, I, I won hands down.
0: Congratulations! Well, actually, you beat I had, up. i, had,
1: I actually up. had my hands up, which is which is <laughs> part of the reason I, I won because I uh, I you know have some mild boxing training.
0: Good job! You beat up an autistic disabled kid in a bouncy castle.
1: Uh, actually, I let him beat me up. So
0: no, I was referring to me. And- I'm both autistic and disabled.
1: Oh, I didn't realize you were autistic, and I I did not know that.
0: Yeah, it makes very little difference. It seems to. (laughs) But anyway, before we deep dive into (laughs) stigmatas and mental illnesses and genetic dispositions for things. Actually, let's deep dive into that randomly. So first, I'm going to ask, what's new with the world of Carl, which is the equivalent to deep diving into mental well-being?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, my uh, life's been pretty, uh, pretty tame lately. Um, I, I was talking to you off-stream about how I bought uh, some board games from uh, a yes. liquidation store. Uh, and the one that I was more dis- interested in describing to you was Bolt, which was the Mecha Robot Fighting League game. Yes! Um, Why is but... the world
0: not as on board with me as Mecha Fighting Leagues being a cool thing? I don't understand.
1: <laughs> oh, the other board game that we got was um, Ticket to Ride, which, I mean, according to the box... that blocks, is
0: objectively one of the best board games ever made, and I'm saying this with the other option being Robots.
1: <laughs> but, so, according to the box, uh, in 2004, it was Germany's Game of the Year?
0: I mean, they do like trains I mean, in Germany. That's just a fact. And if any of our German listeners want to call us out on that, please contact <laughs> us. You're cool. <laughs>
1: But anyways, uh, basically what's new with me is that that we played Ticket to Ride, and I I agree. It is uh, objectively a a very well-balanced, yet still nuanced... A well-balanced, simple to set up, easy to play, but still nuanced and complex enough that it's it's fun and engaging.
0: Indeed. You know what would actually be really cool? So, I'm one of those... I don't want to say a redacted swear word here, but I'm promiscuous when it comes to branded board games. Like, for example, like Mario Jenga is just cooler than regular Jenga. Uh,
1: okay, okay. I wasn't really contextualized. I was like, promiscuous? I, so, I, I guess that makes sense. You're willing to try any board game that is branded. So uh, I like, honestly... I, we were at the Liquidation Center and we almost bought the Jurassic Park Game of Life.
0: See, those kind of things I love because they're stupid, and stupid things make me happy. That is why you're my co-host. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Oof, that was savage. Redacted. So, on the topic of Ticket to Ride, you know what would be really cool? A Mushroom Kingdom mm-hmm. Ticket to Ride.
1: Ooh. Right? I would, I would definitely, like, instantly snap up a Nintendo Ticket to Ride.
0: Like, it would be so I'm... good, like, the map from Super Mario World or, like... Even one of the newer ones are like, yeah, no, I'm building a train straight to Bowser's Castle. Would just kind of be awesome. Especially since they have, like, those cool rainbow trains and things.
1: Hmm. yeah, yeah, that is true.
0: <laughs> like, <if it>,
1: giving <laughs> each car
0: its own, like, faction train. So you got, like, the Bowser trains covered in bullet bills and things. And then, like, the Mushroom Kingdom trains all bright and mushroomy.
1: Yeah, there are a surprising number of trains in, uh, in the Mario Kingdom. That's true.
0: Yeah, like, this weirdly works. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But uh, enough ranting about hypothetical board games, which yeah, I mean uh, the things that we have ranted we about. a
0: hypothetical board game for the next hour, and I'd be a content human being.
1: I mean, I'm just saying we, we have uh, willed some things into existence, so so Oh, it worked for Dokopon! Like listening.
0: for those listening to us, we also just other than most anime series, we're saying should get a mo- anime series from a manga, getting them. We will Dokapon back into existence. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Good old Dokupon Kingdom.
0: Like, whoever's the omnipotent person watching this, ticket to ride Mushroom Kingdom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's new with you there, Richard?
0: (laughs) So so I decided, through the power of various things, okay, so I'm going to tell the D&D Club story. It begins with Mm. a simple dream. I wanted a room to play Dungeons & Dragons once a week on my redacted campus. To get this room, they're like, oh, go through the D&D club, who'll go through the SSU, who'll go through this, who'll go through that, and eventually you'll have a club room. So now I'm the president of the D&D club, Mm. which you know what happens is in a violent, brutal, Lelouchian coup d'etat, I claim the Mm -hmm. title I needed so I could have this room booked. Now that I have the room and like 30 club members, which yet again, I just wanted to play D&D. That was my only objective in any of this. As I find myself using a button maker to make club buttons after running the club fair because I wanted a room. It's a very nice room. I have the room now. So realizing that like half of the people in this d club are also writers and artists. We're starting up a monthly mm-hmm. d magazine where we're making a collection of like player written short stories, classes and character features and artwork and then making mm-hmm. it legal for any of our games at our tables. Hmm. So I've been working really hard on this magazine because people underestimate how committed my ADHD will make me to a pointless task. So I have like the first <laughs> test copy being printed. It's like literally bound, going to have extended distribution to any retailers who want to order it in. It's compliant with the common, with them putting the D&D rule set into the common core. Like I have made a legit Dungeons & Dragons magazine. It is going to be awesome. But all I want to do is play some dice and make a fairy dragon noises. although it did pay off interestingly enough I was able to train the second DM for a large number of players that show up so I actually got to play a game a couple weeks ago because it was minus 20 out which is cold in Ontario so we had a smaller turnout than normal
1: oh yeah that's like that's like shorts and a t-shirt weather in Saskatchewan for sure
0: I still will always remember when it would be so cold outside when putting away the freight order in Saskatchewan that I'd be putting it away in the freezer and it'd warm me up a bit (laughs) Like the walk-in freezer was warmer than the wear- air outside and at least had less wind.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what's oh. new with
0: me is I've been working on a and d magazine, making some cool custom races and subclasses for it, curating stories that students are submitting, going to put it for sale as a club fundraiser. It's a whole thing.
1: It's a whole thing. Like, that is quite, uh, quite the uh, uh, ordeal just to get a, a room to play D anD D in once a week.
0: Well, my problem is I bluff, and then it works, and I don't know what to do with myself.
1: Okay, but so then, uh, like you made it sound like there was some sort of coup d'état for this presidential candidacy uh, of the of the D anD D club. But was there a D anD D club before?
0: Yes, which is why I had to do a coup d'état against my will. So there's. X number of campuses for my college under the same brand. As I try and like mm. keep some vagueness. Anyone who really wants to research me will be able to figure it out. Right. But I want to keep like some mystique and allure. So we have mm-hmm, X number mm-hmm. of campuses. So there was a cross-campus D&D club that was set up during COVID lockdown. Right. The club existed of a Discord server. So I Mm -hmm. post into this Discord server, hey, I'm a new club member. I would want to run Dungeons & Dragons games. I'm a DM, and I have all my supplies. Book me a room. In my brain, the members of the club would be like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Right. You know, because a DM rolled up with a box of dice and playmat saying, I want to play some Mm -hmm, mm D&D. So about a week later, I get a message from someone, and it's like their Discord name, so I don't even know the person. And they're like... Um. Yeah. In about like four weeks, we should be able to book you a room. And I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. So huh. my so there's actually two D and, well three D and D clubs now. There's like the cross campus one, and the one specifically at my campus because I wanted to go in and talk to the SSU, demand more club funding, and demand a room. So I like lured eight <laughs> players because you need eight club executives, telling them they could get to play D and D, and trick them into a boardroom meeting where they became club executives. <laughs> yeah, okay. So they can sign up the form, so I could get us a club budget and a room booking, and then I book the giant, like, beautiful rolling tables, blackout lines, sound system, allegedly soundproof room that can sit like 50 people for this D D club to just be booked on Fridays forever. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I, now I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm, I have two settings: chill and wrecking ball. I'm like, okay, <laughs> if you're not just gonna give me a room and thank me for it. And I'm going to just make my own D&D club For Blackjack And you get the idea
1: (laughs) That does sound fairly effective And the thing is
0: So for D&D planning The most frustrating thing about D&D Is scheduling Mm. As you're probably well aware Yeah So I'm literally like okay D&D is at Fridays 4 to 7 from now till the heat death of the universe And if someone's Mm. like well I can't make it I'm like well sucks to be you So I'm running this drop-in D&D, and I put in all the rules and structures to make, like, an effective Adventure League-style drop-in Dungeons & Dragons game. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I just kind of keep creating more work for me, because I want this to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting payoff, which is lovely.
1: Well, yeah, you said you have a second DM, you have eight council members.
0: A magazine. And, like a club budget to then spend on the magazine and then sell the magazine to get the club budget back. It's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> also, button maker. You know what's great? Button makers. If you need, like, character tokens for D&D, you just print off the animal in the shape of a button and then button maker it and then use those buttons on the board as your cobalts and goblins and things. Huh. Right? So I, like, printed, like, a 100 How many, like how many 100 different kob- sizes of
1: buttons do you have?
0: Um, one inch and two inch. And 1.5 inch. <laughs> a 1 inch okay. fits those squares perfectly.
1: Right. I was just wondering, like, if you use bigger monsters... Yeah, do you, you have use the 2 buttons? inch button. Hmm.
0: And, like, I don't have, like, a giant, like, to like, Tim Horton's coffee lid button, although...
1: <laughs>
0: also, the most powerful thing they gave me was unlimited printing.
1: Unlimited printing?
0: So I printed 100 character sheets. Several copies of the basic D anD D rulebook, their entire in its entirety.
1: Okay, wait. So they they literally they're like just letting you print whatever you want, and they're like ten cents a pay- page or yeah, anything I like that. just tap the
0: card and get a print once that I need. Huh. If it's for the club, so I literally printed two copies of Tales from the Yawning Portal. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like I oh, will uh. just print off the D anD D Essentials Kit. <laughs> 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 I probably printed like 100 character sheets. I made these nice little one-page quick play guides. I printed off mm. the full set of starter set characters, the full set of Essentials Kits characters, and the full set of Dragons of Storm Pirate Peak characters as prefabs.
1: Ooh, nice.
0: Also, one player asked me if they could play it to Ugg, so I put a new race in the upcoming D&D magazine for K9. Huh. I am proud of this one. It is both the best and worst character race I've ever homebrewed.
1: Yeah, there doesn't seem to be very many options for non-humanoid characters.
0: Yeah, so it's a canine race.
1: Mm-hmm, I'm just, mm-hmm.
0: I think we're devolving into a D and D episode. Our topic this week's D and D. All right, so the canine race can normally move thirty feet. Most races. Mm. I make the canine race move forty feet.
1: It's sensible.
0: They can be large, medium, or small. You pick when you select them.
1: Because
0: mm. I want people to be able to ride around on a wolf. Because it's cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I use the new like species rules they put in most races. Where you just get to pick two stats to increase and one other stat to increase,
1: mm-hmm. or three
0: stats. So with that, so far sensible. The first debuff it gets is it understands common but cannot speak it. But it can speak simple, understandable noises.
1: Mm.
0: Second thing is small woodland animals can understand its speech.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: So. I gave it Pack Tactics. Nice. I gave it an ability... I lifted off the Expert Sidekick thing, where as a bonus action, it can give a player advantage on an action. Okay. So those are two really strong powers. And I also gave Mm. it Keen Senses, advantage on checks that use its sense of smell and hearing, and yada yada. Right, right. So to debuff it, it has the Good Boy feature. As a good boy... It can cast spells using its body for somatic components. However, Mm -hmm. it has no hands. In its mouth, it can hold any weapons it's proficient with. And it gets the two-handed, and it can use a two-handed weapon in its mouth. However, Mm -hmm. it cannot hold two one-handed weapons. If it wishes to hold a one-handed weapon into the shield, the shield goes on its back. (laughs) Okay. So this effectively lets you play every class with it, at the end of the day, you can't talk, and your mouth is full when you're holding a weapon. So I specifically put in that it doesn't affect your verbal and somatic components, because it would make it not work. So you're effectively mm-hmm. playing a one-handed character who can't speak, but in exchange you get pack tactics, bonus action assists, and a faster running speed.
1: Yeah, it is awesome. No, I mean, like that, that does sound like a like a a lot of fun. Like it. Like it <clears throat> the tasha's cauldron of everything definitely added a lot of really fun new options which uh interestingly enough i, I was watching a, a video on youtube that was talking about how uh it's like the this debacle with the OpenGL yeah. or o- olg um the license yeah the license for DD um it's like the video i was talking about was like players don't actually need uh, like any of the actual official Dungeons and Dragons content, to uh, play <laughs> to play the game. Uh, but I mean, Dungeons to Room Everything did add a lot of interesting base features uh, that really spur creativity, that allow oh, yeah. players to play within the rules as defined more easily.
0: Well, what's interesting for the OGL controversy, because we're doing this episode after this has pretty much all been over, is it ended with them putting the 5th edition rulebook into just straight up public domain. Mm -hmm. So instead of like, hey, we have this license and it says irrevocable, but we're going to try and revoke it. Because the main issue wasn't really people being specifically concerned that Wizards was going to hunt them down and beat them for using D&D rules without consent. It was Mm -hmm. how bad faith the move was. When you write a right. document and say this is free for everyone to use forever and be like, well, actually, you're, you don't get to be the good guy anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like their damage control first step of action was let's just put our rule book, which is cool because before we had this SRD document, which was like the standard rules, but we're missing some stuff. So mm-hmm. putting the full standard rules in was actually handy for me as someone right. who like pilfers rules and then prints them on sheets of paper and hands them out to people as my way of fighting mm-hmm, the
1: power. Mm-hmm. Row, row, fight Fight the power power.
0: So yeah, like I'm happy with how this went because people are like Yo, we're not going to buy you your stuff We're going to unsubscribe and they're like, well, we got our asses kicked, better release this So now I'm being pro D&D again, not because I don't think the giant corporation's still evil Because the giant Mm. corporation at the end of the day is going to try and make money It's a corporation, we need to stop pretending they care about anything else But we did show that there's enough buying power in the D&D community to affect their decisions and mm-hmm. I'm kind of a fan of not holding grudges and rewarding people when they do the right thing, even if their motivation's evil. Right, this might come from my years as a kitchen manager, and you're going to relate to this as well you're mm-hmm. never going to have someone do the optimal choice they're usually mm. going to slack or cause issues or this that but you've got to mm-hmm. reward them for trying or else you're just running a nihilistic establishment <laughs>
1: Gotta reward them for trying.
0: It's true, like, when you run with a bunch of new employees for long enough at low-entry jobs, hey, you're sober and you're washing the dishes? Good job! And you mean that! They are sober, and they are washing the dishes! This is great! And sure, these are things they should supposed to be doing anyway, because it's in their contract when they're hired that they should be sober and wash dishes. Mm -hmm. But no one likes being sober and washing dishes so I'm going to give the shadow so to loop that back to Wizards of the Coast yeah sure they tried to scam everybody and steal Matt Mercer's money and own your characters and then make NFTs based on your fictional characters and then salt the earth with your ashes and then kick your grandma in the face but they apologized and that's the best you're going to get out of Wizards of the Coast
1: yeah and at least least they didn't bring puppies to space just to kick them
0: yet I hear Musk (laughs) is working on that
1: Bringing puppies to space?
0: Yeah, just to kick them.
1: Mm, you know the funny thing sure about Musk? I wasn't if you were joking at first.
0: <laughs> it's hard to tell with Musk. He has the buddy, and the technology and the spite. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, how goes your D&D adventures?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I, I really haven't actually done any D&D lately. Um,
0: Would you like to do some D&D?
1: <laughs> I, I would love to do some D&D uh, but so, like, like you say um, scheduling is, is a nightmare uh, and I mean I, I don't want to, to call out anyone in particular but but like if you have players and they say oh yeah you want to play a game uh, and then they you know they don't show up and it's like well I I made this game for you like I, I specifically designed this campaign for you and um, it's kind of uh, yeah. deflating, I guess. I don't know, maybe, that's probably not really the right word. But. No,
0: I get it. Like, You remember a while when I faced my D&D burnout where I'm like, okay, I'm setting these up and then every Monday people are like, well, I don't want to sit in my chair after sitting in my chair. So mm. I'm going to let you cancel at the last moment. It was tough. So part of when I set up this D&D Adventure League in my weekly games, and my monthly games is I literally designed it to not run based on the players, which sounds super counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. But I'm literally like, whoever shows up gets the D&D. And I even said, and that's one of my favorite things I've ever said as a DM, which you can only say when you have the confidence of DMing for five years like me or you. Be like, hey, mm. I'm not going to read your character sheets. You can just cheat. If you just straight up run something, I will not be reading your character sheets. However... Mm. If you cheat in such a way that makes it unfun for other players, I will obliterate you. So if you want to build a character and say you rolled all 18s and they have a perfect 18s for their stats, sure, I don't care. If you want to like, oh, I grabbed this Shinigami class feature sheet off Reddit and I'm playing a Shinigami Terminator, I still don't actually care because I'm weaving mm-hmm. a story and I'm giving a recap of okay, you're already at White Plume Mountain. You're at mm-hmm, a fork mm-hmm. in the road. Let's White Plume Mountain. And then it's on you to let the other players and me know who your character is. When I'm like, describe right. your character, be prepared to actually do that because I never read your sheet because I actually don't need that information to DM if I don't know who it's going to be every week.
1: Right, right. So, well, I mean, that makes sense.
0: Speaking of, ooh, I ran White Prune Mountain on Friday.
1: Uh, as written or did you adjust it?
0: So I'm going to tell you the saga because you're going to enjoy this. First off, to new listeners, White Plume Mountain is my favorite campaign to run. And I think it's one of yours as well.
1: Uh, White Plume Mountain was definitely uh, a very good adaptation. Some of the other Yawning Portal ones are not that great. Like the Sunless Citadel is just like, oh, Uh, but White Plume Mountain was it was really good because you once you find your way into the mountain, then it divides into three paths and, and each path has its own unique challenges and puzzles and it's a lot of fun to try and and find all the treasures that are in the mountain
0: all right so first off we completed it in one session <coughs> so what we did so this was me and my new dm we decided that we're going to bring the whole group to the sphinx and then split it into two tables and up them separately Mm-hmm. so i these players were like level one level two Okay. So I didn't really adjust the traps because ironically the traps became live or die and that was pretty much it. Right. But I was super conservative, like short rest, healing, medicine checks. I put in a new rule that if you do a medicine check on someone and you get above Mm -hmm. a 15, they can roll a hit dice and use up one of their hit dice on the spot. Nice. So it's like, okay, the friction trap, the point isn't about whether this kills you, it's how do you survive the friction trap. Right. Or when the zombies come through the wall... It was more about the okay. They did some damage to you. This feels reasonable. You've made it through. You've locked the door to keep them out, or you've killed them. Because mm-hmm. we really only have time in a three-hour session to have one fight. Right. So when they made it to the menagerie, because I love the menagerie, and they exploded mm. in like you do
1: the the upside down ziggurat with the with the water tanks.
0: Oh yeah. So, I did a, I modified that slightly where I put a giant treasure chest at the bottom labeled Magic Artifact and Celestial. Okay. And then I had a tapestry of a wizard dabbing and behind it was the <laughs> doorway to the actual room. Yeah. So, the dog licks the treasure chest to use keen senses for their Arcana to get advantage on their Arcana check. Mm-hmm. Which I allow because then they say to the party, Yip. <laughs> so, they use the Doggo class to build a wizard objectively the best thing you could build with the Dago class for amusement so they keep doing mm-hmm. history and arcana by licking things or sniffing them and then getting mm-hmm. information and then not being able to communicate it <laughs> they also got picked up like a gun and they cast fireball by cocking his tail and shooting it so drop in d and is great so mm-hmm. they go through this tapestry I have the menagerie collapse have it fill with water they go to the other room but I decided that it'd be really fun to have the two parties meet up for a boss battle so they get mm. to the room with the Oni in it and the Oni just lets them right. have Black Razor. Ooh. Because it's Black Razor.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: The person literally walks up like, can I just have it? He's like, yeah, go for it. I don't want that thing. Okay. <laughs> so this player party member has Black Razor. They're in this room. The door behind them flooded. It's like you can walk through this mirror. They walk through the mirror. I'm like, cool. Now walk over to the other table. And they go to the other table to the DM and be like, and you see a portal open in the sky. Tell them what they see. And they just drop them into the vampire fight. So, I mostly ran it as written, but I cut down the encounters to being all social roleplay puzzles. Like the frictionless Mm. hallway, for example. So, three of them, they all just jumped on it and started accelerating towards their death with the super tetanus.
1: Right, right. Person
0: one is a dog and they climb inside their shield with the plan of Tony hawking their way across. Yeah. Person the second fires magic missiles to blow up the syringes so they'll still fall, but they won't get tetanus. Mm-hmm. and Person 3 just falls on the spikes and gets tetanus <laughs> so they, they rolled good enough to not get super tetanus but I told them you still have regular tetanus they're like cool I have seven days before that becomes a problem <laughs> so they drag them off the spikes get in there I have them roll a medicine check let them spend a hit nice to get back up but it was mm-hmm. just kind of like the trying to keep the narrative constantly going of you don't tell them you're done in the room you're like and after exploring the room you begin heading down the hallway left or right Like, I got really good at using language, the Coke to drink language, of telling them do you send someone ahead, or do you go in as a group? Instead of asking them what do they want to do and letting them even have a chance to think about it. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm Because had they say, we stop and we wait, I'd let them, but I use the language to try and keep them moving. Yeah, yeah. And then the other party a character just straight up fell into boiling mud. Although I did (laughs) murder somebody brutally with intention last week. Oh? So, they're one of our newer players and they're exactly what you picture for a D&D player in your mind's eye. Mm. So for this DD and d club, there's a few things I put as rules. First, I put in a badge system where if you murder hobo, it literally bills you so you get less treasure and rewards. Right. Which I gave a big explanation before off stream, but to those listening, yeah, effectively, I literally put in a golden badge system that lets you call the guild hall and ask for help that warps you out if you have to leave your drop-in session early. And that turns red Mm. and builds you if you steal from each other or murder each other. Literally Mm -hmm. a magic item of anti-hobo murdering. Right. So this player's literally like, can I play an evil character? I'm like, no, it's a cooperative game. But to be fair, (laughs) I don't like evil players because they don't play them well. Except for Mm -hmm. Redacted when they managed to trick the entire party into thinking they weren't a necromancer. <laughs> or other redacted when she actually won d d by enslaving all of Water's Deep in a coup d'etat creating a police state of mind control. So like there's a few it, people it, in home games Did we
1: just let her did did we just let her leave is that and then and then that's
0: Yeah. She just won.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I will let some players in a home game where I'm playing to do like a deep backstory woven story play an evil character if I think they can do it while still being a party member because people mm-hmm. seem to conflate evil with stupid right like they forget the hundred years that Aizen pretended to be a Shinigami captain before he betrayed mm. You're right and that payoff's only good if you like for three years of d d play the good captain Aizen but people will try and get their payoff instantly and just kind of be awkward and then not get to play d d anymore <laughs> or if your character starts evil and you let them slowly become neutral or good because you become genuine friends with the party, that can lead to some fun moments. But casual drop in D&D? Nah. You don't get to play a bad character. So this character... Oh, so
1: you you had, a, had a player that wanted to be evil and you told them no.
0: Yeah. So this player had some questionable behavior, so I do a lot of don't talk over each other. And I think I told you about my passive initiative rule where I seat people around the table in initiative order so that way I right. never have to roll for it. Mm-hmm. First off, that's probably saved half an hour of D&D game time.
1: Oh, yeah. Like Rolling for initiative is probably one of the worst mechanics in 5th edition.
0: I did actually put a little caveat, though. I do wet the player with the highest initiative roll to see if they go before the monsters. So they roll on behalf of the party. Mm. And then I alternate player-monster-player-monster. Player,
1: monster. Makes sense.
0: So, this player kept trying to talk over P-layers, be aggressive, but also dumb just being and keep trying the same dumb thing and then getting louder and dumber about it so wow. there's two manticores that swam out of the pit because it flooded the right. pit and one right. of the party members dumps up a giant pile of rations on it to distract the manticores to eat the rations Makes as I sense. told you before for this for me to get through white plume mountain in one session all fights start as social encounters unless otherwise prompted was my f- mentality So every fight in White Blue Mountain is a social encounter until you make it a fight. Makes sense. Except the zombies. I treated them more like a trap. Mm -hmm. So these manticores are being fed. The party leaves. He's like, I want to go back. I'm like, you're in an underwater room because two of the party members went through the door and two of them swam back to the shore. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you're in an underwater room and your party member just walks through a magic mirror to go to another room. Well, I want to swim Mm -hmm. back out under here. You want to swim back out through the water full of deadly monsters, traps, and murder? Yes. I'm like, okay. You know, as a DM, when you're like, I clearly want to split you in two and two, why are you fighting me so hard? Right. So I'm like, okay, sure. Hypothetical Aaron, why not? You can just swim through the (laughs) murder-infested waters full of sharks, giant prawns, literal manticores. And broken glass. Mm-hmm. At least you're meeting mm-hmm. back up with the other half of the party. I'm fine with that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. The other half of the party, were playing Hexes Hold'em in the hallway. It's just funny because one was a witch and one was a dog and they're just playing cards. <laughs> While the other one like went through with Black Razor. I'm like, okay. Because I don't mind an even party split because I can just bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I want to go up to the Manticore and convert it to the words of Jesus. Oh. So my first thing is, one of our club rules is you do not get to bring real race or religion into D&D ever.
1: Right, right. It's
0: a college club. It's easy. It's not a hard rule. D&D has an equivalent god for everything. I was chatting with someone earlier where they want to put their submission to our magazine, and it's normally between Hades and Persephone. I'm like, no, I'm going to switch that out to Erebos and Nyla. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's literally just a Greek D&D campaign setting. Right, right. I'm like, yeah, you can submit it, but I'm going to change the names to be Theros names. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, you want to do what? And this is one of those characters who tries to persuasion check everyone. And I've had to give this persuasion's not mind control. You can't convince someone you're the one true God by just saying it. Mm -hmm. So he goes up to the manticores and declares himself Jesus. And I'm like, the manticores paws at you. Well, I do it again. I'm like, okay, you take 36 points of damage. They're level two. (laughs) And then I say to the other party, you hear their party member screaming in agony, and they're like, yeah, probably should have stayed with one of the two groups. We continue playing our game. <laughs> I'm like, alright, next Manticore attacks. Third Manticore attacks, you're dead. I'm like, am I just out now? I'm like, yeah. You ran off on your own without your party, and you died. Mm. You can feel free to sit down and start making your new character for next week.
1: Yeah, and I I felt bad
0: because I don't rocks fall, everyone dies people often Mm -hmm. but also this particular player is like problematic, they literally say things like I want to loot all the bodies I convinced them their mother baked them cookies (laughs) and just like I want to be an evil character are we only doing one shots? I want a long running campaign can I be the club president? (laughs) So I'm like, I feel bad because I don't actually like killing players unless the narrative calls for it. Mm-hmm. Like, usually I kill players of consent, but this time, like, you're dead. I don't want to deal with you anymore. And then walked over to the other table where we co-DM'd, where he was, like, playing the scenario and I was playing the cursed sword, whispering darkness into people's ears. So I was running around mm-hmm. doing NPC voices while our other DM was running them through the rooms. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Including where the vampire comes out as an ugly D.O., and gets upset that one of the party members has the exact same look as them, but's prettier. <laughs> <laughs> and they got killed by the bow of splinters, which covered them in splinters, which was thousands of wooden stakes. The party member... Oh, I also did a vote system where they were having a debate whether to leave this vampire alone because they broke into his house and murdered him, or to kill him. I'm like, all right, show of hands.
1: And they are- did they vote to kill him?
0: Uh, yeah, it was three to four. <laughs> Because I do a lot of saves the, the brevity Like for the sake of brevity You've made it out with two out of three artifacts You brought them to the guild hall, returned them You've been rewarded your thousand gold pieces apiece None of you did any crimes to become red badges But one of you did not survive When he attempted to convert cats to the lord of Jesus Christ <laughs> <sighs> It's like this one player We both look at each other and hope he sits at the other table
1: Well, you never know. Maybe, maybe uh, death. I'm will hoping he learns.
0: Through. Yeah, and also we've been kind of like letting everyone be level one or level two because new players keep coming every week. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm going to end up doing is letting people just like have multiple characters at different levels and run different level tables later. It'd be like, this is the level five to ten table. This is the one to four table kind of thing.
1: Well, if you can get enough DMs that are on board, like it can be definitely be. Because, yeah, yeah, we have two active
0: DMs right now and then two potential DMs I'll promote if necessary. Because <laughs> the one new DM's like, man, DMing is just better than being a player. This is awesome. I wasn't expecting I'm Like, yeah, you're crushing it. Which is true. I played as one of his players last two weeks ago. He's crushing it.
1: Which is oh, okay. Not- so do you, do you think that DMing is more fun than being a player?
0: A little bit. Like, I can't really go back anymore like I enjoy being a player I do but being a like it's hard for me to not give suggestions and things Mm. and like at the risk of sounding super arrogant I know I can do a really good job DMing when I feel like it right right so I do think I enjoy DMing more than playing Mm. but I think part of that is because I don't have like the group and the DM like if I was playing, mm. like, a Matt Mercer-quality game, I think I'd like playing more. But I haven't played in a game where it's worth fleshing out a character to the detail I normally would as the DM.
1: Right, right, because you have to have equally invested players uh, to be able to make that, that fun for everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I think I prefer DMing. I did get a little bit of DM burnout a while back, but... Definitely structuring it like this Adventure League drop-in, come-and-go style. And I say, like, Adventure mm-hmm. League, because real Adventure League requires, like, rules and forms and things, so I ain't doing that. <laughs> but it seems like I've redesigned D&D to actually work as an in-person drop-in activity.
1: Because hmm. the big things are and like... Now you, and now you have your giant club room... With places for people to drop in and yeah. multiple DMs, and, and
0: a storage sounds like this is a mini- huge
1: success story.
0: Oh yeah! Like, also, I have those like cool token miniatures and things, and I have like a storage space in the club room, so I don't have to move my D D stuff. Mm. My giant bag of dice is getting good use, and like we have a club budget and things. I think our first event we're gonna hold is gonna be a miniature painting day, where I'm gonna order like a bunch of bulk miniatures of our club budget, and then make it a fundraiser where pay what you want for your miniature and we'll have all the paints and tarps set down to do some miniature painting because it's fun.
1: Um, Speaking of miniatures, um, is Hero Forge still a thing?
0: Hero Forge has just been growing constantly. It's better than it's ever been. Mm. You can put multiple miniatures on the same base now and you can make animals and dogs and things and you can put individual tattoo patterns on stuff. Huh. What I've been looking into trying to do is our college actually has access to 3D printers. And I'm like, Ooh. man, I want to. So Hero Forge, if you want just a character model file, it's eight bucks. Yeah. would be super cool is everyone pitched $8, $10 in. I got all the files and we went and 3D printed our miniatures and learned how that worked and just watched that happen. would be super cool.
1: That would be super cool.
0: So I'm probably going to look into how to make that happen over the next little while. Our club's only been around for three weeks, and it's the first time I've ever run three suce- consecutive D&D games correctly. <laughs> in a 3 weeks Like, uh, the rotating roster's great, too, because we have one of our club members writes up recap stories that are going in our, like, monthly journal about the adventures they missed. hmm Like, last week's he literally dropped the line for the first time since our guild hall was founded no one broke any rules and we did a profitable mission. (laughs) So good.
1: (laughs) Wow.
0: Right? Also, I enjoyed the one player who found Black Razor who's chatting with the sword and the Black... Honestly, Black Razor doesn't know how to handle this person and it's amazing. Black
1: Razor doesn't know how to handle the person?
0: So, the character they're playing, B, is like the most chaos neutral thing to ever exist, but like not in a bad way. So Mm. they're like, the swords like kill my enemies. And they're like, hold on, hold on. There are people to kill, but this isn't the time. We'll get you some blood. So they didn't actually use black razor to kill the enemy. They killed the enemy and then fed black razor, the remains and black Razor's not sure how to handle this. (laughs) It's like, they're right on the fence. Like you can't corrupt them because they don't have any ethics. (laughs) They're just like going with the flow and they're like, oh, it seems kind of wrong to kill the vampire in his house. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So good. So yeah, like, it's kind of funny though. Like there's the two styles of D&D games I found over my DMing career. There's the first Mm -hmm. that's the like serious, thespian, try and act it out everyone's super committed game, which Mm -hmm. are great, Except human beings aren't. So people will like, take massive breaks, make sure everyone's there, can't run it if everyone's hours don't work out, and end up being delayed and imploding.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Which is a shame when I flesh out someone's entire hometown backstory and lineage, build an over-elaborate plot about their druid heritage and the sleeping beast under their island, to not get to finish it for three years.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Or
0: ever. And then the casual drop-in, which I found leaning into it really helped, where it's like, okay, this drop-in is literally, I throw you in a mission, you're already inside the cave, let's do this, play your D&D for two hours, then I recap what's left. Mm. Where it's like, I even gave you an Ask an Audience button and a Teleport Home button. And that's fun for the more unhinged nonsense. But next mm-hmm, week, I'm going to mm-hmm. have to like put out some contracts for players to sign, which are like, what I agree to do and not do in these d d games, because I need to put it in writing. You can't say Jesus.
1: <laughs> right. Because, because I mean, like, what, there's not really any need to bring real world politics into a fictional game.
0: Pretty much. Plus, as a college, like, the last thing I want is, you see, people, I do genuinely believe it's possible for people to be accidentally racist. Hmm where they'll be like, oh, I'll say this and that because I heard it on South Park and then not realize that they're being a monster. And my solution mm. to that in its simplest elegance is you just ban reality.
1: You <laughs> just ban reality.
0: It's like sometimes I'll put <laughs> rules in effect just because instead of saying, hey, Tim, I'm tired of you murdering these NPCs and hooking up with their wives, being like no murdering and hooking up of NPCs as a blanket rule so no individual gets called out right not that Tim would do that but you know I needed a name Tim and Aaron are default <laughs> names I use when I just need to grab a name
1: <laughs> Tim and Aaron uh, but yeah well I haven't used any stars. gender pr- pronouns yet so I mean like that could be like Aaron with an E or Tim Tim short for Tamara
0: I appreciate the <laughs> Tim short for Tamara one that one's pretty good and Aaron and Aaron definitely have several of them. Like, I've seen both in books recently.
1: <laughs> so that one's fair game. You never know.
0: Also, complete faith that our closest friends and colleagues will never listen to this show.
1: <laughs> the, the irony.
0: It's like, yeah, I, I'm very confident that apparently the Prime Minister of Germany listens, because I don't know who else got Doke upon Kingdom Greenlit. Like, someone powerful is clearly listening. But the odds <laughs> that, like, my brother listened to this podcast are less than zero. Uh,
1: yeah, less than zero. Like, he he is, like, actively not listening to this podcast because he's too busy playing... Uh, uh, Desert Storm?
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Although he is actually in the D&D club because he attends the same school. And, <laughs> like, his role in the club is for me to yell ideas at him and him nods sagely.
1: <laughs> that just sound like a panda thing to do.
0: But yeah, so... Ah, oh, d and I love the version of White Mountain I ran for you one time, where I had to replace the boiling water with liquid nitrogen.
1: And uh, the ziggurat filled with acid? Oh, yeah! Ah, oh, good times.
0: Well, I knew you were in that the- dungeon, so I decided to uh, be neat.
1: That was the most Like, speaking of Tamara, (laughs) um, they they had designed a a, a new character to be introduced in that in that room. (laughs) And then one of the characters got Black Razor and critical hit it on chopping their head off. (laughs)
0: Like, you can see why just like giving the Black Razor is weirdly its own punishment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, my favorite D&D moment of all time though is the Cedric wish where you wished all your friends back to life and I looked a player dead in the eyes and asked is your character Carl's character's friend and they said no and they got to say dead (laughs) it's just like oh man that's so ask yourself the deep questions are you friends no oof (laughs) you deserve this (laughs) That might be the most deserved death in all of D&D, is you could bring back all of the party members' friends come back. Were you friends? No. we'll be dead. <laughs> you earned well, this. Well,
1: I mean, then that did bring back good old Panacorin, Um who just kind of refused to stay dying, had the most tragic life of any...
0: I think like, they retired I, off into the sunset eventually.
1: Yeah, didn't, didn't they, like, die in-game, like, four times?
0: Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it's like I put in that lingering injury table because people are like dying and healing words and dying again. And I'm like, man, he, he's just an injury now. There's more injury lingering than Panicorin left.
1: Although Panicorin was just not very smart. Oh, I thought everybody was going to, to jump into the Hydra well.
0: He had high intelligence and high wisdom. <laughs> the player wasn't very smart. Panicorin was fine. <laughs> Uh although yeah. it's funny, like when it gets to like the riddle of the Sphinx, for example, a lot of players are like it's hard to roleplay high intelligence. But I as a DM mm-hmm. I'm like, Well if your character's more intelligent than you, I'll just ask you to make a check and then just tell you a fact or a thing, because your character might know that. hmm So it's like it's less about trying to roleplay being intelligent and more be like, My character's intelligent, DM. Can I know things, please? That'd be great. <laughs> please.
1: That definitely makes sense. I, I've definitely been in, in that situation where it's like, um, <laughs> my character's actually quite wise. Can, can you tell me how to be wise, DM?
0: And I usually will. I'll like, be like, yes, here's some series of really strategic and very specific hints to help you. Enjoy.
1: <laughs> but then sometimes you just fail the rules. Uh, like you, you had mentioned earlier about the the whole Necromancer thing and it's like my character I I as a player definitely knew there was something up <laughs> but my character just could not pass the check to save his life
0: <laughs> no and your character was actually wise <laughs> <laughs> and also my favorite person to ever shove off things because he weighed like 500 pounds <laughs>
1: Ah, good old Cedric. Well,
0: I have a personal thing as a DM. Whenever a player brings real-world math into things, I throw it back in their face ten times harder. Mm. So they'll be like, I don't normally pay attention to D&D character weights because I'm not omnipotent and I'm an English Mm -hmm. student. Right. So they'll be like, normally I won't care how much Cedric weighs. But when a player's like, hey, Cedric should be able to do this because he should weigh this much. I'm like, you just gave me this information and I'm going to torture you with it till the day you die. (laughs) good to know do you gotta try and catch him yes it tears your arms off (laughs) that's
1: ridiculous
0: Uh, but with that Ah. I think I took the lion's share of this conversation I was just so excited about D&D so I'm gonna hand the mic to you for a bit what are your advice to new players and new dungeon masters
1: to new players and new dungeon masters um well I mean um the, my my advice to I guess to new players and new dungeon masters um is like don't uh, don't rely too much on the actual structure because um it's 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 a cooperative storytelling uh, experience and when you try to impose too much structure on it it really uh Like, I mean, there are some players who enjoy the more of the structure, but I have definitely found any time that I've played, people just really enjoy um, the natural chaos that unfolds, the the creativity uh, that comes from it. And the more structured you try to make it, the more uh, difficult it becomes to have creative fun, I find. I mean, there obviously there is some sort of uh, some balance because, um, like the uh, structure can can uh, can breed creativity. Where it's like, if you have specific confines and you have to figure out how to make this thing do what you want it to do, but by and large, uh, like okay, for new, for new players, I, I I don't really recommend spellcasters because there's so much structure there uh, that it's like it, it, it feels both daunting and limiting because it's like I know what my spell can do and then you can't think outside of the box you know?
0: I agree completely and part of another like thing I found about d it's going to almost sound like counterintuitive advice I find mm-hmm. the more seriously in character players take it the funnier it ends up being. It's like If you play Dweebydee Dorkinson and scream into the darkness with more darkness, that's one way to do it. But when Mm. your character was directly motivationally depressed because they had to eat their own arm and you take it completely seriously, that joke just gets better. (laughs) So, like, one of my advice to new players is build a character you plan to play seriously because it will turn into wacky shenanigans. You don't need Mm. to make a wacky character for wacky things to happen like yeah, critical role took it completely true. seriously but then a character still turned into a goldfish and jumped off a cliff
1: <laughs> well uh, so, so with that I mean maybe we should transition into our, our random question of the week
0: sounds good here's our random question of the week what is the best compliment you ever received
1: the best compliment I've ever received Uh,
0: I can start this one if you like. Sure. So I can't remember my entire life and every compliment I've ever gotten, but the most Mm -hmm. recent one that stuck out to me is I did an assignment for my drama class, Mm. and I got 100% on the assignment. But in the comments it said, this was a very well done, really thought out assignment, but part of me really wanted to give you 99 to see what would happen, because I'm very curious to see what you would do for an extra percent. And I, I felt so complimented to be like, yeah, I'm acknowledging what you did was perfect, but I really want to know what would you would have done if I moved perfection a notch. Because I'm like, oh, they believe in me so much.
1: <laughs> OK, well, you actually did make me think of of uh, a compliment that nice. I received, which which wasn't necessarily directly uh, a compliment. But uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told you this story before, but now it's public record uh, in, in high school. I, I finished one of my my English classes with a hundred percent because uh, not because I'm I'm perfect at English but because you're not um, bad. <laughs> we were reading Life of Pi, and I had finished the reading required reading for that for that section, and so I was just reading another book while the rest of the class was reading Life of Pi, and the, for, the teacher was like, "Hey, why aren't you reading Life of Pi?" I was like, "Well, I was um I'm done the required reading so I'm reading something else and so then she like uh, she's like okay well how about I give you some bonus assignments Um, um, so choose a character from a book uh, and tell me whether or not they're strong and what makes them strong Uh, which is a very open and interesting and open ended question because it's like you know there's so many ways to define strength Uh, but so it's like I think I submitted four Um, so it was like uh, the first one was Huckleberry Finn I did it fair enough that that was classic literature I enjoyed reading that one Uh, the second one I did a a character from um, well each time it got more and more complicated so it was like the there's the Unbearable Lightness of Being was, <laughs> was another classic literature book that I did. Um, then there was one is the Wind-Up Bird Chronicles. I don't remember who the author is. It, it was a super interesting book as the Japanese author. Uh, but then, the fourth one, I, I made up a book. <laughs> and I, I, I just made up a book and I made up a character and I went through the whole rigmarole of explaining why they're strong and in it's what ways they're strong. Such a good way strong. to write a
0: character Bible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, uh, and uh, the the reason I take this as a compliment is because after I submitted all these these bonus assignments, I got hundred percent in the class, and the professor told, or that the teacher told me that they would put all those books on their reading list. <laughs> <laughs> and the one book just straight up doesn't exist.
0: I love that. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I'm going to have so many follow-up questions about that book, but we're nearly at an hour for this episode, so I want to thank everybody (laughs) for tuning in, especially those of you that we don't know exist. We appreciate your anonymous love.
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully – I mean, not not that there's anything wrong with people loving us from from Germany, but hopefully uh, that love can, like, spread all over Europe, and then we'll be, like, a a household name in Europe before anyone in – north america no even knows our. i here. don't know if
0: i should say this but should we really be advising our german listeners to spread our name all over europe and with that i say goodbye everybody
1: <laughs> <laughs> have a good day and uh, you know night or whatever time of day That's you happen good. to be listening to this
0: oh bye bye man i think i just lost all of our german viewers by trying to make a tasteless world war one joke <laughs> that may have been a poor life decision just a thought <laughs> maybe I'll edit it out know. maybe I'll keep it in but <laughs> the bit was right there much like how six out of seven animes end
1: <laughs> well uh, I, I think really I do should... have people um, waiting for me to be done chatting with you so
0: fair enough fine don't just let me but... run you white right through mountain tonight
1: <laughs> uh, yeah unfortunately I am uh, occupied but Um, Wednesday night? No, not Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night. Are you free?
0: Yeah, that should work.